You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, where we aim to ignite the flame of hobby in each and every one of you. I am your host, Pimp Cron. You probably know me from Bell of Lost Souls on my weekly column there. And the rest of you probably know you know me from your wet dreams. So we are talking about lots of different things tonight. Let's go ahead and take a look. Oh, what is this? This is episode 26 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer podcast, which means we have made it to the six month mark in this show. And I hope you're noticing that the quality of the episodes are getting better and better. Our wonderful Patreon patrons um, are helping support us and... We're slowly buying new equipment and uh, other things that I don't know how all the words to all this stuff. I am such a noob when it comes to like audio equipment and things like that. So we have uh, two condenser microphones now and we have uh, what's this thing called? A phantom power supply and we have a mixer and we have pop filters and other things. I don't know. But anyway, we're slowly, slowly getting the the audio quality better and better. And, you know, also part of this is me learning the the learning curve of me figuring out how to do things. Believe it or not, um, four or five years of weekly Warhammer articles has not prepared me for sound theory or acoustics or anything like that. So what is it that we are talking about tonight? I heard you just ask somebody, somebody in the audience just asked that. So we have a Get Brittle with the Pimp Cron, and of course, this is in no particular order, which I love to do. Uh, at the end of the show, we have a Get Brittle with the Pimp Cron, and I explain why I believe skirmish games are better than mass battle games. And, uh, of course, Brutality Skirmish War Game is my free rules, use your own models, RPG light skirmish war game. And why I chose it to be a skirmish war game versus a massive battle like Warhammer 40k or Warhammer Age of Sigmar or Kings of War or bolt action, or any of those. So, I find that to be a fun topic. We also have a real talk with Just James, and he reviews the Black Fortress box set. And um, and what we're talking about that is, we've already discussed the models in previous episodes. What we're discussing today is, he has been playing Black Fortress, Blackstone Fortress, sorry. And he has opinions on exactly if it's good, if it's bad, if it's somewhere in between, we'll figure it out. And we also have a Tesseract mailbox from our friend Brandon, who asks, where's Loremaster Alex? Where are you hiding him? Is he tied up? Is he gone? Has he been deported? Well, we will answer that and more during the Tesseract mailbox section of the show. We also have the Want That or Not with the Gene Stealer Cult new models and the... Um, Special Edition Codex, the Collector's Codex, and whether or not I like that or I don't like that. And tonight, we are also joined by Cronette, my wife, and we have a, well, here's an idea, the mysterious case of the missing person. And this is a true life tale that will chill you to your bones. I have a missing person that is just, he just seemingly disappeared. And it's very weird. Um, I've known him through Patreon. I've known him through Shorehammer and all that. And this person has literally just disappeared. So get 
get a get a nice hot cup of tea and get a blanket on and leave the lights on because it's a chilling tale. It's quite spooky. And um, people always ask me exactly what I've been up to in my previous um, personal life. So uh, I do have something new and exciting. Do you, do you remember all the years that I totally shit on Grey Knights players because they were cheesy and whiny and little bitches? And how Green Grey Knights never, ever appealed to me whatsoever? Well, do you also remember how Tyranids, Imperial Guard, and Orcs were always bottom tier of the list? Well, I loved playing and beating people with those three armies back in the day when they were hot garbage. And it was always fun to see the look on someone's face when you beat the shit out of them with a really bottom tier army. Well, those three are not really interesting me as use, as much as they used to because I'm a bit of a hipster when it comes to wargaming, and I just set my sights on Grey Knights because Grey Knights seem to be really bottom tier right now. And we have a friend that says, oh no, you can't win with Grey Knights, it's impossible to win. So, guess what the Pimpcron is doing? I just traded some old Tyranids with Just James for some Grey Knights. And I'm going to have some all kinds of Grey Knights action up in here. And I will win. I will make Grey Knights great again. That's what I'm going to do. I even bought a red hat. It says that on the hat. It's great. So, I know some of you are booing now. Don't boo. I'm not endorsing or, or promoting or bashing anybody politically. Uh, so, that is about it. I'm starting Grey Knights, Holmes. And uh, I'm super, super excited about our six-month anniversary. Uh, we have the numbers now that we could be getting advertisers in the show. And uh, we have grown by leaps and bounds. The last, I mean, even the last three months, even the last month, our our listenership across all platforms, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, um, iTunes, Spotify, across all that, our, our listenership has grown quite a bit. So I appreciate all of you listening and I especially appreciate you know who have you know who has a special part, place in my heart, my Patreon patrons. That's right, all of you who support us on Patreon. I truly appreciate it. And um, I was really debating on starting to put commercials in this podcast to help fund the podcast, but I determined that because our patrons are doing such a great job on Patreon supporting the show, that you know what I'm going to keep this commercial free. And uh, that way I can say exactly what I want about whoever I want. And I don't have any advertisers going, ooh, what you just said is icky. Yeah, I don't have anybody saying that. Now, of course, some of you sometimes say, ooh, what you just said is icky. But guess what? I, I'm sorry? I don't know. Let's get this show going. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Welcome to the Tesseract Mailbox, and this is the Pimpcron and Mrs. Cron. Um, Pimpet. Pimpet. And uh, so we have a message regarding some behind-the-scenes things for uh, Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast. And this is a message from Brandon saying, Hey, Pimpcron, I've noticed that Loremaster Alex is not on the podcast anymore, and I was wondering if you all had a falling out. Mm. So... Um, can you shed some light on that? Why Loremaster Alex has not been on the show, Pimpat? Well, his shuttle came back for him. <laughs> they, we never knew that they were going to come back for him. I mean, we always had our guesses, but I'm pretty sure the craft actually landed somewhere, somewhere north of us in a field and 
and he he got on. Yeah, they got they they landed in the field that he lives in, and um, because he lives in a field like ten miles north, and uh, he lives in the ditch. Mm-hmm. And um, he actually lives. I've been to his place. It's a pretty roomy burrow. He's he's dug like a um, groundhog. Oh, in the uh, side. rent? How's the rent there? Oh, the rent's low. Um, a couple times a year, he's got to worry about pesticides being sprayed on him. But other than mm. that, the field is pretty nice. Mm. So uh, good view anyway, right? No, uh, Loremaster Alex and I actually did have a huge falling out, and it was over a gambling debt he owed me, and it was um, upwards of a thousand dollars, which I had not told you all of that. Oh, that that that's great. Yeah, that's great. so. Um, him and I were at a at a uh, restaurant, a sports With a bar. Gambling? No, we weren't gambling there. But this is where it transpired, and you know this story. Okay. So, uh, we were at a bar, and what happened? Well, you decided to bet on the uh, magic game that was playing on the TV. <laughs> yeah. It was getting pretty heated. It was like ESPN, is what I was thought. What I thought. Yeah, they had um, they had uh, ESPN the Ocho on uh on the tv show uh, on, on the tv at the bar and alex and i he said well look i will bet you one last time mm-hmm. that this player will win and if i lose i will pay back all your debts all, all of my debts uh-huh and i said fine because i knew this player we'd been watching the, the game for a while and this this player was, it was not kind of win. a saga you guys had continued to follow yes. through this tournament or uh you know tournament series yes yeah. and um no, I'm, I'm just kidding. He didn't owe me any money. Um, what honestly happened was, is that he broke into my house. With a boombox on his shoulder. No, no, he really broke into our house. And he stole every single one of our craft singles in the house. And the children were crying. My wife was upset. It really, it was a pretty shitty thing to do. Yeah. To come in and steal every single slice of cheese in someone's house. And we, and we have a lot of cheese. Well, I know. not anymore. I, I know. Mean, he, he actually took a pillowcase to haul it all away. So he stole the pillowcase and the cheese? Yes, the pillowcase and the cheese he stole. Oh, I thought it was Velveeta he stole. No, he, he says it's too processed. He doesn't like Velveeta. So him and I got in a huge argument on the phone, and I said that all that's going to end up doing is bind him up. He's not going to be able to poop for quite a while. He said that he needs something to bind him up, and he did not have his paycheck. So he went after our cheese. He went after our cheese. Okay. He walked a couple miles from the field that he lives in, and he's, he's, <laughs> he stole our cheese. There's, like, cows next to him. Like, he could easily have gone over and nursed off of one of the cows and gotten some milk. It's true. Free. It's true. The problem is that he does more with the cows than just nurse, and the farmer has gotten wise to what he does. Uh, yeah, well, the milk also wouldn't fit very well in a pillowcase, I think, was the other problem. <laughs> Actually, pillowcases are involved in making cheese, aren't they? They are, but like you have to have some fermentation, yeah. not fermentation, but like cultures there. Yeah. So I don't think he had the right cultures. It just kept going through the pillowcase. Hmm. See, he could use a pillow protector. Like that would have actually held the milk. No, there's enough uh, joking aside. Um, Loremaster Alex was over my house and he crapped himself in my chair. He's known for being flatulent. He's known for farting a lot. Mm-hmm. And he seriously ruined my recliner. It wouldn't have been so bad if he would have kept his pants up. (laughs) (laughs) He's sitting bare butt on our recliner and lets one go. And it was a shart. It it happens. It was a whoops fudge stripe. (laughs) Yes. It was was an oops fudge stripe. Uh, And uh, 
All right, well, enough dragging you along. Uh, no, Loremaster and Alex and I did not have a falling out. Uh, he has gotten a new job recently, and he is not as av available as he was with his previous job. So that is why Loremaster Alex has not been around. But So did he take up that job at the strip club again? No. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Maybe? Um, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a German strip club. Oh. They've got these clear glass tables. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, someone, uh, they could use someone with his particular skill set. Okay. Hey, you got so, you got everyone has talents. You got to use what you got. It's true. Shake what shake what you got. It's true. But no, Loremaster Alex, I'm I'm sure will be on at some time. But uh, he's just uh, work has not allowed him to be there. So, anyway, thanks for writing in, Brandon. Thanks for being on Pimpet. Yep. No, I never ever remember your name. You you never do. You just yell wife. Yes. Yeah. And you just blew out my speakers. I, I probably did. Broke some broke some people's ears. Want that or want that not? Welcome to this episode's edition of Want That or Want That Not. Today it's just me, the Pimpcron, and I have a raging nerd boner. Why is that, you ask? Well, I am heavily turned on by the new Gene Stealer cult models from Games Workshop. Specifically, I'm looking at the Locus, which is a pretty neat model. I mean, uh, so apparently he's a bodyguard for your characters for Gene Stealer Cult. And um, he comes with you know, two swords on his back, and he's holding a sword. And um, he comes with several different heads, and he's got this icon on his back. And um, several, like, almost purity seals, things like that. And some of the heads look um, pretty cool. There's a, a hood up, a hood down, and two unheaded ones. Well, one's got a huge scar across it. And um, overall, I just have to say that I am super, super stoked for all this Gene Steeler Cult stuff. Matter of fact, I am downright shocked at how much they're actually making as far as new models for Gene Steeler Cult. So they have come out with the Nexos, which I don't know what he does. I'm not a huge rumor person. So the Nexos that is basically um, planning an attack, which is pretty awesome. They've got a new Magus character, which is about time because we only had that one for freaking ever. And it's a lady. And people say they don't include women in their armies. Come on, they got a bald lady. Bald Magus lady. And um, then they've also got the um, Adeline Jackals. The different motorcycles and ATVs and things like that. And they've got the J Jackal Alphas, which is an HQ for the uh, dirt bikes. Which is pretty cool. I mean, Gene Steeler called on dirt bikes and ATVs. That is, that's just awesome, honestly. Um, so all of this is a resounding want that. Absolutely. I love it all. Please give me more of it. I don't care, you know, what it is. Just, just give me Gene Steeler brand socks or something. I just don't even care. At this point, I'm in such a spending frenzy for Gene Steeler cult that, uh, I'll, I'll just accept anything. So... GW, if you're listening, I would appreciate that uh, you uh, make more models, and I appreciate that you have made so many models for Gene Steeler Cult. It's actually extremely refreshing that you would take a smaller army like this and, and really flesh it out pretty darn well, adding all kinds of new units and new different versions for Aberrants and uh, the Aberrant HQ and just so much stuff. I, I am just thrilled with it. Now, the next thing we get to is the Gene Stealer Cult Collector's Edition, and uh, that's just the Codex, and I think this is, um, I don't know, a little odd. So it's no longer available online at the time of this recording, 
And I'm afraid this is the part where my want that or want that not turns a little south, because the collector's editions to me are just simply not worth it. So it is double the price for a collector's edition Gene Steeler Cult Codex versus the regular Codex. And if you click on that, it's $80 versus $40. And essentially, it has gilded edges for this book, which who the hell cares? It also has full cover art, exclusive full color art. Wow. That's just, no, actually, it's, it's really not that great. I don't see the point of buying this at all. And um, it also has a ribbon marker. Well, you know what? Now that it says it's got a ribbon marker, I take back all the negative things I said. Because having a built-in bookmark definitely makes it worth double the price. Absolutely. The only thing that is slightly redeeming about this is it comes with uh, what they call a host of handy tokens. Well, awesome. Uh, the tokens appear to be blips on a radar screen, and they um, they also come with a 9-inch like a, a roller to punch out, which I think is just a throwaway thing. But the, uh, the blips are kind of neat uh i just you know i don't know you could put a dice down or you could you could really put anything in in lieu of these tokens so for double the price you are getting the exact same book as for half the price except it's got a different cover and it comes with a sheet of tokens that are absolutely not essential to play this army uh i don't know man as a as a Gene Stiller Cult, you know, player and all that. Oh, the bookmark, too. Can't forget the bookmark. As a Gene Stiller Cult player, I'm always tempted um, for when any of the collector's editions of my codexes come out. I'm always tempted to buy them because I'm, you know, you're like, hey, I'll indulge myself. I'll spoil myself. But honestly, it's just not worth it. It just really, really is not worth it. So I hate to be a Debbie Downer on this part of it. Um absolutely want that for every single freaking model they have made want that want that want that today want that tomorrow want that 10 years from now want that times a hundred for every single one of the models but the collector's edition they can shove up their butt because i don't want it it seems like a waste now if you bought the collector's edition uh, i don't know congratulations what did you expect me to say just then anyway uh, sorry, sorry to rain on your parade if you bought the collector's edition, but definitely not want it. So, want that for every single thing they've made except for the collector's edition, and that would be a want not. Want that not. I forgot my own format. Toodles. Now, here's an idea. Welcome to another edition of Well, Here's an Idea, and today is the Pimpcron and P Pimpette. Hello, Pimpette. Hi. And we wanted to discuss the mysterious case of the missing patron. Okay. So, um, I will not be using his name for whatever reason, uh, but it is a very strange, strange story. So, it all starts when this person... Mm -hmm. Can um, we just give him a name or her name? Um, let's say... Monkey Doodle. Okay. So Monkey Doodle became a patron of mine in uh, July and August. He okay. was a patron for two months. And then all of a sudden, he uh, the, the payment was declined or whatever, which sometimes happens, no big deal. I also noticed that Monkey Doodle had bought a ticket for Shorehammer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
And um, the issue is, is that a lot of our tournaments and things to pay for trophies and all the prizes and whatnot, there is a fee to be part of a tournament. Mm -hmm. But a couple people, including Monkey Doodle, had just written in the notes for their order that they wanted to be part of X, Y, or Z tournament or event. Okay, so they, like, didn't order correctly. Yes, they didn't order correctly. They didn't add anything to their cart. They just bought a ticket and then signed up, thought they signed up for all these different things and never paid for it, which means they're not on the list. Okay. Because you have to buy it in the uh, system for it to to put you on the list. or something along the Yeah. Way. Yeah, okay. So, I actually ended up looking this person up um, because... I wanted to let them know, hey, you haven't paid for anything, and I would hate for them to show up to Shorehammer and think they're part of all these events and then have nothing to do because they're not part of any of the events. And, of course, as you know, we don't sell tickets at the door, at the door or anything. We sell them ahead of time. And it would be kind of difficult to add them in later. So, yes. Yeah. Um, because Eventbrite doesn't necessarily make everything particularly easy to do. Mm -hmm. So... I, um, when you fill out a Shorehammer ticket, you have to put your, you know, name, address, uh, cell phone number, email address, all that. So I look up Monkey Doodle's, uh, email and which I did to several other people. There was like four or five people that did this. Monkey Doodle at doodle.com. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually it was M underscore doodle. Okay. It was a more, I think, professional email. Okay. And, um, so anyway, I look up Monkey Doodle's email and I email them and I get an undeliverable email reply so i was like well that's kind of weird maybe they misspelled their their email or whatever mm -hmm. and that you know everybody else that i did this to it was perfectly fine they but you just hadn't heard back from monkey doodle yet so. yes okay. so everyone else replied back we fixed the order etc cetera, etc cetera. so i thought that was kind of weird so i find uh the person's phone number which they put in the order anyway and I actually ended up calling the person because I sent the email twice. I rechecked it and it got undeliverable both times. So, you know, usually people will put their correct email on something like that. They're mm -hmm. not going to put a fake email. So it's weird that his email has gone now. Yeah. So I, do, 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 do. yeah, it gets weirder. So I call this person and there's no, there's, I just go to voicemail. They never pick up. Does it have their name on it? It does it not. Just, okay, so it, it just, just has a number. Yes, it just has a number, you know, like, um, you know, you've reached this, and they say the number, and then leave a message. Okay. So I leave a message. I say, hey, I'm Pimp Crown from Shorehammer, blah, blah, blah. I explain the situation. Please give me a call back, whatever, because we have the Pimp Crown hotline phone number. They can call me on that. And I never get a call. So I wait, like, two more weeks, and I call the number again and mm -hmm. leave another voicemail going, hey, I really don't want you to show up to Shorehammer and not have anything to do. Mm -hmm. So... I wait a long time and never hear anything back. Okay. So it's getting a little strange because the phone number pro provided and the email provided, neither one of those works seemingly. Well, maybe they're just really, really introverted and now they're scared that they, you know, that they had screwed up and they don't want to try to fix it. Wow. That would be really, I mean, maybe you're right. People have anxiety. So uh, that's just crazy though. But I figure, well, uh, you know what I'll do? I'll find this person on Facebook because... The last name of this person, Monkey Doodle, mm -hmm. I had read a novel a couple years ago, and the main character had the same last name as this person. And for some reason, that stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. And it stuck in my head enough to notice this person was a Patreon patron, and the person had bought a ticket. And I remember, either last year or the year before, that this person had commented on some of our Shorehammer posts or whatever. And I was like, oh, 
you know what? I bet they liked Shorehammer. So I looked through all the people that um, look for this name through all the people at Shorehammer, and that person doesn't like Shorehammer. But they had commented before saying that they wanted to come, and now they had bought a ticket. Huh, okay. But they don't like the webpage, which is a little strange, but I mean, not necessarily. And um, I distinctly, for some reason, from a year or two ago, this person, because the last name is so odd, Mm -hmm. it really stuck out to me that I recognized the name. So I start Google searching for this person. Because so you went beyond searching the numbers and the email yeah, well, and the Facebook to now searching <laughs> Google on this, on this person. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, continue. Okay. Don't make this weird, okay? okay I'm not. So, I'm just going to accept it for what it is. So I was pretty sure that this was like a, um, a hoax or maybe I was going to be on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries because it was getting kind of strange. So this person, I searched, um, I put in their state and all that on Facebook and searched for their name and they don't come up, which I'm assuming means they have privacy settings or whatever that you can't search for. Mm-hmm. So now I've tried to email this person twice. They didn't answer. I Actually, it was undeliverable. They didn't just not answer. It was no longer an email. Okay. I tried to call this person twice and they never replied. And I know they previously had commented on Facebook. So I looked on Facebook. And that person is, number one, unsearchable, and number two, does not like the page. Okay. So, this is becoming kind of odd. And I noticed that the .com that his email came from was from a website, like a business website. Okay. And it was like a, you know, like a local sole proprietor type thing. Not like at Epson.com or at at Walmart.com or some massive corporation. It was like a local thing. Okay, almost like a domain or something that he pulled out on his own business? Yes, that that he had his own. Okay. So, I looked up just that website. Because obviously the email was, you know, monkeydoodle at... Doodle.com. Doodle.com. Well, I typed in doodle.com and it came to me, came to be a Japanese clickbait website. Mm. Where it was, or Japanese, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was What'd Japanese. What did you see on there? And um, it was just a bunch of like ads and things. It was like uh, from the '90s, basically. It looked like it was you didn't all see these. Loremaster Alex on there. <laughs> no, but if it's Japanese and it's weird, I'm sure he's been there. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, we love you, Alex. So, um, but it had like all these sparkly banner gifts and just stuff like a, a 13-year-old girl would make in the 90s like on myspace or something like it was it's very weird the website and of course i don't read japanese so i couldn't read it but it was just like a bunch of click links to things it didn't really have anything to do with that guy it had nothing to do with this person because monkey doodle did not live anywhere near japan and from everything i had seen he had no connection to japan so i'm pretty positive but that's weird that monkey doodle would have an email at doodle.com, and when I go to doodle.com, that website, mm-hmm. it's like some weird clickbait Japanese website. But obviously, I mean, his email was undeliverable, so I guess he could have given up that domain. I guess so. But that's still, just the whole thing is weird. It was though. a very short period of time for all that to happen. Yes, for him to give the email, and then like two months later, he no longer has the domain, and you know what I mean? Yeah. So I did, this is, I'm getting back to the Google searching. So then I actually Google searched this person. And I use the, I'll say doodle.com and monkey doodle in a Google search and come to find out he either used to own or run doodle.com and there was an associated business with doodle.com. Okay. And, but that is no longer there. 
somehow. It's it's I don't know if it's defunct or bought out or whatever, but it, that business no longer exists. Okay. So, um, I figured well at the very least when Monkey Doodle shows up to Shorehammer that I will be able to talk to him and go, dude, you are hard to get a hold of because I have really, really tried. I have internet stalked you trying to find <laughs> out how to get up with you because the further down the monkey doodle rabbit hole that I went to, I mean, it just kept getting, weirder, just kept getting and weirder. weirder and weirder. <laughs> and it was weird how often Loremaster Alex came up in those searches. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. So anyway, guess who never showed up to Shorehammer? Monkey Doodle? Monkey Doodle. I was going to say Alex, but... No, he was there. He was there. He was there harassing everybody <laughs> there. Um, we love you, Alex. But seriously, he never showed up. He bought a ticket. Mm-hmm. He signed up. So he paid the money. He paid the money and never showed up. Hmm. And never messaged me. So this is kind of creepy at this point, where the email is undeliverable. The domain is some sort of Japanese clickbait thing. The website is no longer, or I mean, the, the business associated is no longer in business. Mm-hmm. Monkey Doodle's cell phone does not have his name or anything on the message. It's just a, a phone number. It's just a dead end. A, a dead end. Monkey Doodle is unsearchable on Facebook. Monkey Doodle does not like the Shorehammer page. Mm-hmm. And um, Monkey Doodle never showed up to Shorehammer. So Monkey Doodle is part of like the FBI or CIA. So what did you do, Scott? It is very odd, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I've got a couple working um, theorems. I think Monkey Doodle might have been uh, abducted by the Ro- Russian mafia. Oh, okay. I think Monkey Doodle might be in the, um, I almost said Child Protective Services. Well, the, I think um, it would be the Japanese mafia. Oh, the Yakuza. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, the uh, Witness Protection Program. Well, that's feasible. Or uh, maybe uh, Monkey Doodle's dead. I mean, I mean, honestly, I have had some things on eBay happen where I actually, um, at one point, I opened a case with someone because they would not reply. They never sent the item, blah, blah, blah. And after I got my full refund and everything, like a month later, the person contacted me and said, I'm so sorry. My house burned down. In the time that I sold, I, I you bought the listing, and now, which like like two months had passed. Oh wow! And they're like, I'm really sorry, but it's not. I don't own it anymore. It's all gone. Like my whole house burned down. That sucks. So yeah, and I also had some people that I had talked to, and they literally just went like uh, non-existent just on a, eBay. Kind of a wall or something. They like they that? never sold another item on eBay, and these are people that had like good ratings. They'd been on eBay for years. Mm-hmm. And they, they were talking back and forth, whatever, about the purchase, yada, yada. And then they're just a ghost. You never hear from them again. They never, like, complete the transaction or whatever's going on. And they just don't exist anymore. And you can check a month or two later, and they still have not bought anything. Their rating's not higher. They're just gone. Maybe they were trying to figure out how the Apple map, uh, Apple uh, laptop they just got works. <laughs> and they're still searching today. That's true. Um, if you ask Burbro, my brother, um, that's what my kids call him. He is not a big fan of uh, Apple products, so mm-hmm. he would agree that it's hard to use and dumb. Uh, I haven't used one since I was in like elementary school, so yeah. So anyway, that was the mysterious case of Monkey Doodle. Mm-hmm. What do you think might have happened? I always lean more towards alien abduction. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So to me, it makes most sense. You know, 
all of a sudden all these things go disappearing and monkey doodle drops off the face of the earth or maybe he does drop off the face of the earth into the flat earth ah flat earth he took his boat too far that's what he did. That's what he did. He fell off the side of the earth. Well, I think technically in the flat earth, you, you have to go up the mountains in Antarctica, which mm. is technically encircling the entire earth. Oh, so maybe he's a mountain climber. Uh, maybe. Monkeys like to climb. It would make sense. Maybe he climbs up there and draws doodles of what he sees. Or it could be a hollow earth thing where he kind of literally he fell, fell into, into the, earth. the earth. Oh, with the dinosaurs. Well, anyway, this was kind of creepy to me. Just how, like, you know, your internet presence is part of you nowadays. Mm-hmm. And to literally just vanish. It's weird. It bothers you. Did you put a um, police case in on Monkey Doodle? <laughs> uh, I was afraid what might happen. Because if Monkey Doodle went missing, they'd be like, what connection do you have with Monkey Doodle? Mm-hmm. So. CIA, FBI, something along those lines, I'm telling you. Yep. Yep. Yakuba, isn't that what it's called? Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuba. Anywho. Anyway, thank you for being on Cronet, and um, I'm sorry if you're going to have a hard time sleeping tonight Uh, because of this chilling tale. Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid I might go dropping off the edge of the earth or into the earth. Just don't paddle out that far. That's what lifeguards are for at the beach, (laughs) is that you don't paddle too far. Yep. Seriously. You go too far, they start whistling. Why is that? Because you'll fall off the freaking earth. Yep. They know. Yep. Lifeguards are woke. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, there, there's, there are, there, there is a flat earth. I, I, I we both know that as a fact. Yeah. 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 All right. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Now it's time for real talk with Pimp Cron. Hey y'all, this is the Pimp Cron, and I'm here today with my... It's just James. <laughs> Actually, it's Warmaster Alex with me today. No. And, uh, no, it's just James. It's just James. So, uh, man, you really threw me off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we wanted to discuss uh, Just James's brief Just James review of just Blackstone Fortress and just how it acted for him and just how he liked it or didn't like it. Just, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down? No, say it. <laughs> oh, um, I was, give I would give it a thumbs up. All right, and that was James's review. <laughs> no kidding. Um, so you now you and I had played quite a bit of um Silver Tower. Yes. And you are a huge fan of Silver Tower. And um, did you ever get to play the expansion? No, I have it, but I haven't actually got to play it. It's different. From it's somewhat different. It's more of a D and D, because someone is playing the dungeon master and has maps and stuff like that, while uh, other people are playing the uh, heroes. So Blackstone Fortress, if anybody's played uh, Silver Tower, the first one, Blackstone's Fortress is pretty much it's it's uh, mechanically it's just about the same way with the activation dice and all that, uh-huh. but there are some differences. Uh, because you have, uh, not only do you have the heroes, but they have their own ships, and then they go back to a bigger ship where they can trade stuff and uh, get upgrades and all that from that. Oh, so there's like a mini game in between missions? Yes. And that's interesting. Um, and so then you decide to go into a, on an expedition, 
and you draw from the exploration card, there's either a challenge or a combat uh, card. And the combat card will show you the map that you need to set out. Uh-huh. And the challenge card will have different challenges. I mean, do you use a map for that? No. Well, what, how does the challenge work? So, the one I've done so far it, uh, was uh, each player, each hero rolls their four dice. And they keep going until someone rolls at least one six on their dice. And then that person will take a, a grievous wound. And then they continue on uh, on their exploration. It's uh, ice fire something. Hmm. Someone gets hit with the ice fire. So in the Silver Tower game, if I recall correctly, um, all these different heroes from different races find themselves in the Silver Tower, etc., etc., and they're working together pretty much. But this makes it sound like these people in Blackstone Fortress are working kind of together, but they're actually they're separate. Uh uh, each card, each hero card, except for one of them, has a secret agenda. Oh. So they, once they activate their secret agenda, then they can, uh, they become inspired. Then they have it, their inspired uh, uh, side of their card, which gives them a boost in their attacks and and whatnot. That's the same way it was for the um, the Dungeons and Dragons board game. Um, the uh... Negazaroth or whatever the uh, I forget his name. Also, there's the um, Raven Ravenloft one too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so like when you leveled up, you would flip the card and had better stats. Yes, but I mean it, it only lasted. Well, actually, I don't know really how long it lasts, but it, I don't think it lasts the whole the whole game. It's like a I think it's just like an one expedition. Uh, one yeah, one expedition. Um, so what's the whole gist? You say you're going on expeditions. What is the Blackstone Fortress, and what are you doing? Um, currently I have not read too much about it. I, from what I gathered is a, uh, you guys are all joined together to delve into the, uh, Blackstone Fortress to find, um, you have to find four clues and each, uh, once you find four clues, then you can go into a stronghold and then you have to beat three or four strongholds and then you can... Uh, then you go to the hidden vault, and then once you beat the hidden vault, you can. Then that's where Bowser is. Yeah, that's Bowser. Yeah. Yeah, I figured. Okay. Yeah. That's why they included a Bowser mini. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, and you can also use him on your Wii. Oh. So yeah. Wow, it was a uh, your Switch, the... I should say. I was gonna say, what are those things called? The Amiibos. Amiibos. Yeah. yeah. Um. And that's the only way you can get them. <laughs> it's, not it's, not by the store. It's two Blackstone Fortress. <laughs> yep. So we, I think we've discussed before how cool the models are. I think that it was either me and you or me and Loremaster Alex when it, before it came out. We discussed, you know, a review of the, of the models. It wasn't me. Oh. So it was that other guy, whatever his name is. Um, Malix, I think his name Malix. is. Malix. Yeah. Oh. More Master Malix. More so. Mac, Mix Master Malix. Yep. Um, so overall, did you like this game? Yeah, I liked playing it. Um, it was, uh, I liked playing Silver Tower. And this is Silver Tower with some uh, extra stuff to it. Did they get rid of anything that you liked? Or is it, you know, like video games, they always come out with a new edition and they take, for some reason, they take good things away from the new, the last edition? Uh, no, not really. I haven't found anything that I uh, liked that they took out mm. from uh, Silver Tower. Um, there's still the challenges, there's still an event table. 
there's uh, I think the enemies uh, their behavior table is better because uh-huh. um, in Silver Tower it was just a a, a roll. Yeah. Uh, I think I believe it was either I think it was a D six. I think it was. And whether they saw you or not, they did. Um, you know, they would either fall back, uh, no matter if they saw you or not, not, or they would try to attack. But in this one, it depends on where they're at on the board. Uh, and this time you roll a d20. And like the game I played, the the Negavolt uh, cultists, I think that's what they were. Um, they were hidden which means there was no line of sight drawn to them and they couldn't see us. So uh, we rolled the D20 and they just, it, they rolled a uh, hold. So they just stood where they were. Oh. And then we ended up rolling the same thing again. So they just <laughs> held where they were. Then the next turn, they ha- actually had line of sight to us. And uh, then they came charging after us. Um you probably know about this this about me personally, but AI tables for board games is something that really excites me. Um, I had done remember I did the AI tables for 40k before, so you could yeah. you could solo game against yourself. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually working on um, solo tables for brutality as well. So um, I just really like you know me. I'm solo gaming is my background, so I love to just play by myself, and it's just you know I know it's selfish, but I, I just like to play by myself a lot of times. So. Having an AI table means you don't have to make all the decisions. And that's pretty cool that Blackstone Fortress would also have that. So, I'm glad they supposedly improved on the AI because that's pretty important. Especially for replayability, too. You know? Yeah, there was uh, plenty of times in Silver Tower where it just didn't make sense for the AI to do the thing that they did. Oh, yeah? Um, I think it was the game that me and you played, the big... Uh, Armagerd, Thaumaturge, guy. He was in this one room, and we were in another room, and he kept throwing <laughs> fireballs. Which could, uh, That was his action, but he couldn't see us, so he did nothing. Yeah. Wasn't there another time that we were fighting a boss, and they wouldn't leave their room? That, it was the same. It was the same? Yeah, it was the same and one. didn't we... I, I, maybe I'm making this up, but for some reason in my head, I remember we... Us, like, shooting the person over and over, and they never came after us. Yeah, I believe that's... I, I think that's... Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh... That's kind of weird, but... Yeah. Anyway, so, um... Obviously the models are nice, so we don't have to discuss that, but is there anything else that you'd like to mention about it? Um... The... There isn't those little token things. Uh, I forgot what they were called. Um... Token things? The yeah, you remember the that fish guy slop and then the oh, book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not in there because you're not going against Zinch. You're just going against, which they could have made like you know they got the Urgles. Which by the way, I have Dark Eldar, so now I have Urgles for my army. Yeah, because most people don't have Urgles. Who's gonna buy the Slith, the Urgle, the Medusa? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, oh, so yeah, they don't have those little guys, so you don't have to really worry about that, because that was kind of a little bit of a hassle to uh-huh. do that. Um, and uh, for those of you who have played Silver Tower, uh, you know, you roll doubles. Well, that's still in effect. Whenever you roll doubles, you can uh, re- you have to remove them, but they don't summon, you know, the little guys. Um, and uh, 
But there is a ship that one of, one of these guys' ships that can um, uh, hold the dice for one expedition. Even, no matter what, how many doubles you roll, you can co- uh, hold that um, the doubles. So you don't I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they can hold the doubles there, and you can still use them without any penalties. Um, it's yeah. weird. So, so you go on a mission, right? Like in, in Silver Tower, you're all basically trapped in the Silver Tower, and you're trying to make it out and whatever. Right? Yes. But this, you all have your own ships. So what is it like? Let's get the gang back together. We're going on a mission. Is that the way this is going? Um, like I said, I haven't really read the background uh. yet, yet. I haven't uh, done that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what it seems like. And so the, the crew and everybody's working together. Yeah. Kind of weird. Um, there are, there's also, like, when you go back to the, the main ship is called the Precipice, and when you go back to it, each, uh, ship has these, uh, item cards that are specific to them, and you could trade back and forth, uh, with each, uh, hero, or you can buy stuff from your own ship. Huh. Um... But you have to have, like, Archaeotech in order to do that, and there's a cost value to that. Um, and then also each ship, like the uh, crew ship, you can do a battle arena. That's pretty cool. With just the crew guy, and he can become inspired if he wins that. Huh. Uh, or there was a, um, the one for the big robot and the two uh, halflings is some kind of machinery that could, uh, you roll a D20, the Blackstone dice is what it's called, the D20. Uh-huh. And on a one, the person is dead. <laughs> on a two, nothing happens, and then the rest of it, you can get a card or something like that. Wow. So this is basically, for those of you who have not played Silver Tower or anything like that, this is basically like a watered-down RPG, basically, right? Yes. Yeah. So you, you level up, you gain abilities, things like that. You get. Um, do you still get artifacts, like in Silver Tower? Uh, yeah, You there's item cards that yeah. you can uh, pull from that's pretty cool so i'm glad they finally kind of took the silver tower model and brought it into 40k um and i'm also happy there's no space marines involved i get so sick of space marines yeah so i'm happy that it's like some you know uh well, i mean there are chaos space marines two of them and the chaos lord but yeah but i mean like not a playable character is this a chaos lord in that yeah that box yep is it a new model or is it it's a new model he has a thunder hammer which normal chaos lords well in chaos space marines they don't have they don't no so that's odd but i guess he's got stats for 40k yeah and they have a data sheet book <coughs> that you can use oh. um which looking at it uh most of them aren't really good it doesn't <laughs> seem like they're really that great to use in 40k but the ergle is awesome because you've already used it against me yes so. that ergle put in some work yeah yeah <laughs> He jumps out ahead of everybody else, and if you kill Urgol, whoop de doo Yeah. <laughs> so, well, thank you for your review of Blackstone Fortress, and overall, you're happy with it, right? You'll keep playing it? Yeah, I'm going to keep playing it. That's good. Um, I like those kind of, like I said, I've got that, um, got the D&D board game that's like that, and it's kind of nice just to, you know, take an hour or two and play like a mini RPG, and, you know, it's pretty cool. Especially this, I'm sure, has linked together missions, right? Just like uh, Silver Tower, yes, where you keep your artifacts and, and your experience. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, after each expedition, uh, you can in the event turn you can either choose to end the mission and the campaign, or you can roll on the event table if you choose to continue. 
But when if you choose to to uh, end the game, they have these plastic bags which are called stasis chambers. <laughs> so you put your hero card in there, and then all the cards that were uh, uh, with it. So when you want to use them again, you got it right there. That's pretty cool because we did run into that issue when we were playing Silver Tower. Is that um, now? I mean, we could have just went and grabbed a Ziploc sandwich stasis, stasis chamber, <laughs> but. Uh, we had that issue. Remember, we had to write down or save on our phone, I think it was, uh, what artifacts our character had had yes. in between missions when you stopped playing. Yeah. So, that's pretty cool, though. So, all right. Well, it's a big old thumbs up from Just James for Blackstone Silver Tower. Yep. I mean, <laughs> Blackstone Silver Tower. Blackstone Silver Tower. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get brutal. Welcome to another edition of Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron, my free rules, use your own models, skirmish war game with RPG light elements called Brutality Skirmish War Game. And I wanted to discuss tonight exactly what I think the benefits of a skirmish game are compared to a massive war game such as Warhammer 40k or Age of Sigmar or Bolt Action or Kings of War or Warpath or any of those. I chose to make a skirmish game instead of a massive game uh, for several reasons. Number one, I think a smaller model count is a big deal because you are not sitting there painting, you know, 10 of each model or 20 of each model or whatever. There's a lot less commitment in a skirmish war game versus a, a, a massive war game. And if you want people to try your game, of course, a skirmish war game, the hurdle, the barrier to entry being smaller is more likely to get people to try it versus going, hey, why don't you buy this $120 box of stuff and, you know, then you get to play. Now, Warhammer 40k and Age of Sigmar and all the big names, they have the benefit of a large player base to begin with. But as a new up-and-coming game, you kind of want the barrier to entry to be as easy as possible. That's why, you know, allow you to use your own rules. I mean, allow you to use your own models and, you know, the rules are free, etc. I really just want people playing the game. So I think that fewer model count is a huge deal. I also think the strategy is a lot deeper with Skirmish War Games. And the reason why I say that is because if you look at Skirmish War Game pictures, there's a lot more terrain on the board. So I feel like the maps are a lot more realistic when you're looking at a Skirmish War Game map because the terrain density is much much higher and the reason for that is that you want to really uh you know get in the nooks and crannies and down the alleys and behind the trash cans and all of that when you're playing a skirmish war game and because your units are not usually more than just a model you can actually do that you can fit in there um try to make a really really dense map with warhammer 40k or age of sigmar when you have you know five to forty people in a in a unit you're just not going to make it down that alley very easily. And then, of course, you're suffering negatives for, you know, not being at full strength because you're spread all out. You can't get all of your attacks in and things like that. So I think the maps for skirmish war games are a lot prettier, a lot more dense and a lot more realistic, honestly. I also think as another part of that strategy is that, you know, strategy and decision making depends a lot on resource management and allocation. So when you are playing a massive game of Warhammer or Kings of War or anything like that, 
you have a lot more at your disposal and it's a lot more forgiving when you make mistakes. Oh, I lost that one unit, but it's only a unit of, you know, uh, one of 10 units. So, okay, I lost 10%. Versus if you lost one model in a skirmish war game and they only use five to seven models, well, you've lost at least 20% of your team. And I think that's pretty cool. I think that's, um, the whole point of strategy is be risk and reward and punishment for your choices, whether they're good or they're bad. And when the resources that you have to use are a lot smaller in a skirmish war game than in a regular game, then you have to make much, much better decisions. Um, your strategy has to be totally uh, on fleek, as the kids say. Your strategy has to be on, on you know, its, its best leg. Um, otherwise, you make a couple key mistakes and you're like, oh, well, there's the whole game because I lost it. So... Um, I, I really enjoy the strategy and the resource management, you know, uh, of skirmish war games. Also, the length of the game is a big deal for me. So when I designed Brutality Skirmish War Game, I really wanted the games to run for about a half hour to 40 minutes. And you're not talking three to four hours like a 40k game. And I would much rather go to the club and play two or three games of Brutality in the time or less time than it takes to play one game of Age of Sigmar. And even though War, Warhammer has done a lot of things, Games Workshop has done a lot of things to cut down the time that it takes to play the game, it still is very cumbersome just because of the number of models, the number of attacks and shots and saves and all of that. Um, and not to mention like Age of Sigmar, they bring so many models back from the dead. Or 40k, they have so many saves and cover saves for everything. It makes it a very prolonged game. So the skirmish war games, not only is the resource allocation and the decisions it making much more uh, important, but the boards look better as well. And it is low model count so that people don't get board pain in the same models and it's a low barrier to entry. And the games are much shorter. Now, in the case of Brutality Skirmish War game, I like it because you also don't paint the same model twice. So like, you know, attack squad of marines is 5 to 10 marines, that sort of thing. You're painting essentially the same model, unless you're heavily kit bashing or something of that nature. And, um, you know, I just get sick of painting 5 or 10 space marines. But you know what I don't get sick of? Painting individual models that are all unique. So if I go to Reaper, or if I go to, um, you know, any of those other third, third market, third party things, or even kit bash my own models, and... Um, I decide to make a warband out of it. Not only is a warband very easy to make, but it's also uh, much, much cheaper to the bank. And it's, um, it, you don't get tired painting because, oh, this one model you may not care for so much, but guess what? I have all these other models that look completely different and I don't have to worry about painting that same damn model over and over and over. So that is why, honestly, I like uh, skirmish war games a lot better than I do mass war games. Now, of course, having said that, I'm a huge fan of Warhammer 40k and Age of Sigmar, so um, I can't complain too much. But if I had my druthers, I would much, much rather play several games of Brutality than one game of Warhammer. But, of course, I designed this game for it to be my ideal game, so... I guess that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, huh? Anyway, thank you for listening to the Get Brittle with the Pimpcron segment. And uh, thank you for listening to the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. We will be back next Monday morning at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
and uh, that gives the the European and Asian folks a chance to uh, listen to it at a reasonable time. And it's all prepped and ready for all of your morning commutes all across America. So thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next week.